0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Saturday, January 28th episode. That would be episode 150. 150, wow, we reached 150 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host, and we're going to go ahead and continue on in our reading for the day. Uh, Let's see, a couple of things. Uh, Like I said, we'll be doing our reading for the day. Um, You'll find the link. (sighs) Sorry, it's been a long day. You'll find the the link to the plan. It's the 2023 reading plan link you'll find in the show notes. Uh, You'll still find the link to McShane's um, Read the Bible in a Year plan as well would definitely encourage you to use that in your private reading. Uh, doing private reading is very important as well. You need to do both. Um, actually, I'd rather you do that than listen to me if it comes down to a choice between the two. Um, and also in there is a link to the Vale Valley Baptist Church uh, Give, Send, Go campaign. We are working on trying to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can take the next steps that God's leading us towards. We we are um, desiring to and looking towards developing a um, Christian classical education school for our children and grandchildren. We have a, a number of homeschoolers and stuff in there, but we're also wanting to provide a possible classroom experience. That's that's where we're heading towards. Um, that's where God is leading us. And so, like I said, we're trying to rapidly get our mortgage paid off, so that we can get working on establishing that and getting going and providing that for our community—not not just our church, but for our community—a um, safe place for our for our children and our grandchildren um, to not be indoctrinated, to not not have values that that we parents don't agree with jam- and grandparents don't agree with jammed down their throats um, by the public. That, that's just not something we can support, and therefore. We feel like we need to offer a solution for that. So that's why we're heading that way. So we would ask three things of you in regard to that. Please pray for us as we move forward with that. Secondly, please prayerfully consider giving. Um, You hit that link and then there's a couple of different ways you can set up to make a donation. And thirdly, pass the link on to other folks. The more people that see it, the more people that can pray for us and prayerfully consider it. Um... And and that's all we ask of you, you know, again, like, like I said, the first is pray for us. We need your prayers. Um, We, we do believe that prayer has a big impact. And so we'd like you to be praying for us. Um, But we definitely, you know, if you, if you feel you can prayerfully consider donating, we would definitely um, be very, very grateful for that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get on into our reading for this morning. Oh, sorry. Sure. Mm. oh and uh, another reminder sorry throw this out real quick because I'll forget it at the end um, I will be preaching this evening um, it will be it is for the Rincon Valley Cowboy church um, I will be filling in for their pastor and um, the service is at six o'clock this evening um, so that's six o'clock the evening of January 28th um you know if if, if, if you don't not sure of a place to go, definitely, you're welcome to come listen to me there. Um, I would definitely encourage you as well. Um, and most importantly, Vale Valley Baptist church, um, pastor Jay, um, is going to be carrying on with our study in Matthew. I will be de- continuing to deal with anxiety and how you biblically deal with that. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, the, the first one in the series has been wonderful and I'm looking forward to the more of them as we move through Matthew. Um, so definitely, and, and our services for that are on Sunday, January 29th, and we start at 1030. Okay. So let's go ahead and get on into our reading rambled enough. Uh, let's see. We're going to open up as, is our practice on Saturday mornings with the seventh day morning prayer. It's God's good pleasure. Sovereign Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, thy will is supreme in heaven and earth and all beings are creatures of thy power. Thou art the father of our spirits. Thy inspiration gives us understanding. Thy providence governs our lives. But, O God, we are sinners in thy sight. Thou hast judged us so, and if we deny it, we make thee a liar. Yet in Christ thou art reconciled to thy rebellious subjects. Give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in him light, riches, honor, eternal life. Thou art the inviting one. May we hearken to thee. The almighty instructor, teach us to live to thee. The light dweller, inaccessible to man and angels. Hiding thyself sorry, behind the elements of creation, but known to us in Jesus. Possess our minds with the grandeur of thy perfections. Thy love to us in Jesus is firm and changeless. Nothing can separate us from it. And in the enjoyments of it, nothing can make us miserable. Perseverance. Preserve us from hypocrisy and formality in religion enable us to remember what thou art who what thou art and what we are to recall thy holiness and our unworthiness help us to approach thee clothed with humility for vanity forwardness insensibility disorderly affection backwardness to duty proneness to evil are in our hearts let us never forget thy patience wisdom power faithfulness, care, and never cease to respond to thy invitations. Amen. All right. Now our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. This is the morning for January 28th. The text is Colossians 1.28. Perfect in Christ Jesus. Do you not feel in your own soul that perfection is not in you? Does not every day teach you that? Every tear which trickles from your eye weeps. Imperfection. Every harsh word which proceeds from your lips mutters imperfection. You have too frequently had a view of your own heart to dream for a moment, sorry, of any perfection in yourself. But amidst this sad consciousness of imperfection, here is comfort for you. You are perfect in Christ Jesus. In God's sight you are complete in Him. Even now you are accepted in the Beloved. But there is a second perfection yet to be realized, which is sure to all the seed. Is it not delightful to look forward to the time when every stain of sin shall be removed from the believer, and he shall be presented faultless before the throne without spot or wrinkle or any such thing? The church of Christ then will be so pure that not even the eye of omniscience will see a spot or blemish in her. So holy and so glorious, that heart did not go beyond the truth when he said, With my Savior's garments on, holy as the Holy One. Then shall we know and taste and feel the happiness of this vast but short sentence, complete in Christ. Not till then shall we fully comprehend the heights and depths of the salvation of Jesus. Doth not thy heart leap for joy at the thought of it? Black as thou art, thou shalt be white one day. Filthy as thou art, thou shalt be clean. Oh, it is a marvelous salvation, this. Christ takes a worm and transforms it into an angel. Christ takes a black and deformed thing and makes it clean and matchless in his glory, peerless in his beauty, and fit to be the companion of Sarah. Sorry. Oh, my soul, stand and admire this blessed truth of perfection in Christ. All right. Now we're going to get on with our reading. We're going to start in Exodus 5 from verse 22, and we're going to head on into ex- all the way into Exodus 7, and then we'll move on to our other reading readings. So Exodus 5, verse 22. Then Moses returned to Yahweh and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Exodus 6. I'm sorry, let me do something here. I'm sorry, and I should have said, and hear the word of the Lord. Exodus 6. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for by a strong hand he will let them go, and by a strong... sorry, and by a strong hand he will drive them out of his land." God spoke further to Moses, and said to him, I am Yahweh, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as God Almighty, but by my name Yahweh I am not known to them, and I also established my covenant with them, to give them the land of Canaan, and the land in which they sojourned furthermore i have heard the groaning of the sons of israel because the egyptians are holding them in slavery and i have remembered my covenant say therefore to the sons of israel i am yahweh and i will bring you out from under the hard labors of the egyptians and i will deliver you from their slavery i will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out from under the hard labors of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their weakness of spirit and hard slavery. Now Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Come, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But Moses spoke before Yahweh, saying, Behold, the the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? Then Yahweh spoke to Moses and to Aaron, and gave them a command for the sons of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their fathers' households, the sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn. Hanak and Palu, Hezron and Carmi, these are the families of Reuben, the sons of Simeon. Jemuel and Jamin and Ohad and Jachin and Zohar and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman, these are the families of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, uh, Levi according to their generations. Gershon and Kohath and Merari, and the years of Levi's life were 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shmi, according to their families, the sons of Kohath, Amram and Izhar, and Hebron and Uziel, and the years of Kohath's life were 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi, these are the families of the Levites according to their generation. And Amram took his father's sister Joshebed as a wife, and she and she bore him Aaron and Moses, and the years of Amram's life were a hundred and thirty-seven years. The sons of Ishar, Korah, and Nepheg, and Zikri, the sons of Uziel, Mishael, and Elzaphan, and Sithri. And Aaron took Elisheba, Elisheba, the daughter of Aminadab, the sister of Nashon, as a wife, and she bore him Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Esir, and Elkanah, and Abiasaph, these are the families of the Korahites. And Aaron's son Eleazar took one of the daughters of Putiel as a wife, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers' households of the Levites, according to their families. It was the same Aaron and Moses to whom Yahweh said, Bring out the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their hosts. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the sons of Israel from Egypt. It was the same Moses and Aaron. Now it happened on the day when Yahweh spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, I am Yahweh, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I am speaking to you. But Moses said before Yahweh, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? And Exodus 7, Then Yahweh said to Moses, See, I set you as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh that he let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart with stiffness, that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not listen to you, and I will set my hand upon Egypt and bring out my, my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So Moses and Aaron did it as Yahweh commanded them. Thus they did. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. And Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, Work a miraculous wonder. Sorry. Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did just as Yahweh had commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers. And they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. And each one threw down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened with strength, and he did not listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard with firmness. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, as he is going out to the water, and station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile. And you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, Yahweh the God of the Hebrews sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not listened until now. Thus says Yahweh, By this you shall know that I am Yahweh, Behold, I am about to strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that that is in my hand, and it will be turned to blood, and the fish that are in the Nile will die, and the Nile will become foul, and the Egyptians will be weary of drinking water from the Nile. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, over their streams, and over their pools, and over all their reservoirs of water, that they may become blood, and there will be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. So Moses and Aaron did thus as Yahweh had commanded, and he raised up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants. And all the water that was in the Nile was turned to blood. And the fish that were in the Nile died, and the Nile became foul, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. And the blood was through all the land of Egypt. Yet the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened with with strength, and he did not listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Then Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not set his heart even on this. So all the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the Nile. And seven full days passed after Yahweh had struck the Nile. All right, we're going to move on into Matthew 18, and I need some water. All right, we're going to be in Matthew 18. Starting in verse 21, and we'll read into Matthew 19, verse 12. So let me find verse 21. There we go. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had and repayment to be made. Therefore the slave fell to the ground, and was prostrating himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And feeling compassion, the lord of that slave released him, and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, "'Pay back what you owe.' So his fellow slave fell to the ground and was pleading with him, saying, "'Have patience with me, and I will repay you.' But he was unwilling, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved, and came and reported to their lord all that had happened." And now into Matthew 19, go into verse 12. This is in verse 1. Now it happened that when Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the, from the beginning it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. He who is able to accept this, let him accept it. All right. And now Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. And this is one of the your memory psalms. Yahweh is my shepherd. Surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. One of my favorite psalms, as it is for most folks. All right, and now Proverbs 5, the last two verses, verses 22 and 23. His own iniquities will capture him who is the wicked one, and with the cords of his sin he will be held fast. He will die for lack of discipline. And in the abundance of his folly, he will stumble in intoxication. All right. Well, that is our reading for this morning. Um, I thank you for spending your time with me. I hope this time together and this time moving through the Word has been edifying for you and has been thought provoking, and and honestly will provoke you to do more reading on your own, because um, we need to be in the Word. We need to be in it all the time. That 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 is how we mature how we move into being mature Christians and truly being the building blocks Christ uses to build his kingdom, to build the kingdom of God. So with all that said, I hope you have a wonderful day. Um, I would definitely encourage you to go have a wonderful day to be planning out there to go to church, whether it's, whether it's tonight, whether it's here, here on Saturday night, whether it's Sunday morning. Um, like I've told you before, there are, um, some really good church finders out there a uh, founders ministry has one um you can find solid churches um either the master seminary or grace to you one or the other has one where you can find master seminary graduates which are always solid these are not just you know guys who happen to um graduate from there but these are guys that are coming out really really solid um as pastors Um, So you could definitely, you should be able to find good, solid churches, hopefully in your area. You may have to drive a little bit, but, but it's worth the sacrifice, even with the gas prices out there. I mean, I, I I have to admit I'm within 10 minutes of my church and I'm very, very blessed and I wish everybody could be, but it is critical that we sit under the solid preaching and teaching of the word of God. So I would definitely encourage you to go do that. Um, Again, I would implore you as I do every day that you do all that you do today for the glory of God. And God willing, I will see you this evening. Let's go ahead and close up in prayer. Uh, the one we're going to do today is called True Religion, which is a good one to read, especially in light of uh, speaking of the false religion we've been dealing with, it, with that Christ is having to um, defend himself against the Jewish leadership that we'll be dealing with in the evening section, um, and, and because they've turned what God gave them into a false religion so this one is called true religion this prayer let's pray lord god almighty i ask not to be enrolled amongst the earthly great and rich but to be numbered with the spiritually blessed make it my present supreme preserving concern to obtain those blessings which are spiritual in their nature eternal in their continuance satisfying in their possession preserve me from a false estimate of the whole or a part of my character May I pay regard to my principles as well as my conduct, my motives as well as my actions. Help me never to mistake the excitement of my passions for the renewing of the Holy Spirit, never to judge my religion by occasional impressions and impulses, but but by my constant and prevailing disposition. May my heart be right with thee, and my life as becometh the gospel. May I maintain a supreme regard to another and better world and feel and confess myself a stranger and a pilgrim here. Afford me all the direction, defense, support, and consolation my journey hence requires, and grant me a mind stayed upon Thee. Give me large abundance of the supply of the Spirit of Jesus, that I may be prepared for every duty. Love Thee in all my mercies. Submit to Thee in every trial. Trust Thee when walking in darkness. Have peace in Thee amidst life's changes. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief and uncertainties. Amen. That's from one of my favorite verses. Lord, help thou my unbelief. All right. Well, again, I hope you have a wonderful day and God willing, I'll see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Saturday, January 28th episode. That would be episode 150 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host, and I'm amazed I've hit episode 150. Um, I mean, that doesn't sound like such a big deal when you realize I tend to put out a podcast. Sorry, getting a drink. Just about every day, um, but honestly, I wasn't sure I was going to last this long. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. I've definitely been blessed um, by God and blessed through our pastor to uh, to drive along and actually be doing what I'm doing. So very, very blessed with that. This evening, obviously, we're going to continue our study in John chapter five. Uh, we're continuing in the second section about the Messiah's equality with God. Um, and Jesus proclaiming that as he's trying to defend himself um, in this little mini trial that's going on before the Jewish leadership. Now again, notice he, he, well, you know what, we'll get into it in a minute. Let's go ahead and open up like we normally do. I'm about to roll straight into this, but let's go ahead and get into what we normally do. I do want to remind you there's a link for our church's Give and Go campaign. This is uh, an attempt to try to rapidly pay off our uh, mortgage so we can get on into, establishing a Christian classical education-based school for our children and grandchildren, for the children and grandchildren in our community to provide them a solid education and get them away from the, well, I'm sorry, my own opinion, the, the brainwashing and the, uh, and the indoctrination that, that is now going on in the public schools, which is disappointing. I, I got a very good public school education, but my children got one in spite of it. And the ones now I feel so sorry for the kids that are in there. Now, my own opinion, sorry, not trying to make a political statement. It just, we want to set up something better than that. So, um, with, with the link and in this situation, there's three things we'd like you to do for us for first and foremost, pray for us, pray for us in in this effort so that we would be truly led by God to accomplish this and to enlarge his kingdom to, to, to help establish his kingdom. Number two, prayerfully consider giving yourself. Um, if you can't, you can't. And we understand that. But we would definitely ask you to sit down and prayerfully consider whether you can donate. And third, pass the link along. Let people know about it. Let them make their own decisions. But pass it along and let them make their own decisions about it. And and there's out on the link, there's an explanation as to what we're doing. Probably better, a much better explanation than what I'm giving you here. But I'm doing my best. So the link's there. Um, let's see. If you listen to this before 6 p.m. on uh, Saturday uh, on January 28th on today, then I will be preaching for Rincon Valley Bow- Cowboy Church. Um, we do meet at um, Vale Valley Baptist Church, um, so you can go to its website to find the address. Um, so I'll be pe- preaching. The church service starts at six. Um, so definitely love to see you there. Um, next morning uh, we have our services for Vail Valley Baptist church. Those start at 10 30. I would definitely love to see if you're in the local area. Okay. So let's go ahead and jump in. We'll go ahead, go ahead and do our prayer, our opening prayer and our devotion. And then we'll get into our, into our Bible study. So, um, typical for our Saturday, our evening segment, we're going to open up with the Lord's day Eve prayer. So let's pray. God of the passing hour, another week has gone and I have been pers- preserved, and my going out and my coming in. Thine has been the vigilance that has turned threatened evils aside. Thine the supplies that have nourished me. Thine the comforts that have indulged me. Thine the relations and friends that have delighted me. Thine the means of grace which have edified me. Thine the book which amidst all my enjoyments has told me that this is not my rest, that in all successes one thing alone is needful, to love my Savior." Nothing can equal the number of thy mercies, but my imperfections and sins. These, O God, I will neither conceal nor palliate, but confess with a broken heart. In what condition would secret reviews of my life leave me, were it not for the assurance that with thee there is plenteous redemption, that thou art a forgiving God, that thou mayest be feared? While I hope for pardon through the blood of the cross, I pray to be clothed with humility, to be quickened in thy way, to be more devoted to thee, to keep the end of my life in view to be cured of the folly of delay and indecision, to know how frail I am, to number my days and apply my heart unto wisdom. Amen. All right. And our evening devotion for January 28th, the text for it from Spurgeon's morning and evening is Luke 2:20, And the shepherd shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So that's the shepherds at the uh, manger. What was the subject of their praise? They praised God for what they had heard, for the good tidings of great joy that a Savior was born unto them. Let us copy them. Let us also raise a song of thanksgiving, that we have heard of Jesus and his salvation. They also praised God for what they had seen. There, there is the sweetest music, what we have experienced, what we have felt within, what we have made our own, the thing which we have made touching the King. It is not enough to hear about Jesus. Mere hearing may tune the harp but the fingers of living faith must create the music. If you have seen Jesus with the God-giving sight of faith, suffer no cobwebs to linger among the harp strings, but loud to the praise of sovereign grace. Awake, your psaltery and harp. One point for which they praised God was the agreement between what they had heard and what they had seen. Observe the last sentence. As it was told unto them, have you not found the gospel to be in yourselves just what the Bible said it would be? Jesus said he would give you rest. Have you not enjoyed the sweetest peace in him? He said you should have joy and comfort and life through believing in him. Have you not received all these? Are not his ways ways of pleasantness, and his paths paths of peace? Surely you can say with the Queen of Sheba, the half has not been told me. I have found Christ more sweeter than his servants ever said he was. I looked upon his likeness as they painted it, but it was a mere daub compared with himself, for the king in his beauty outshines all imaginable loveliness. Surely what we have seen keeps pace with nay, far exceeds what we have heard. Let us then glorify and praise God for a savior so precious and so satisfying. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to get into our Bible study. Um, Let me take a drink real quick. And I'm going to start reading from back in verse 16, uh, John 5, verse 16 through verse 24. All right, hear the word of the Lord. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father and making himself equal with God. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing from himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing and the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. All right, that is our segment for today. Um, the overall, that's the overall that we've been dealing with the last couple of evenings. And again, like I indicated, this would be a segment that you would kind of, you would kind of term, this is the Messiah showing his equality with God. So the Messiah's equality with God, and we've broken it up into kind of three sections here. Um, back, kind of starting in verse sixteen, but then verse seventeen and eighteen, we saw Christ showing His equality with God in His person, and we saw that in in the in this in verse seventeen, we're speaking of My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. The I myself am working again. I made very very clear in that. The, the Greek behind that is, I myself am working in the same manner. I am doing the th- same things God is doing, and I'm doing them the same way God is doing them, making very, very clear. Now, on top of that, he's saying, My Father. And we see that in both of these things, calling God his own Father, doing these things on the Sabbath, and then the way he's speaking of the work he is doing, that the work the Father is doing and the work he's doing, that he's making himself equal to God. Even the Pharisees could see that. Now, unfortunately, what we've already talked about is in the, in the miracle that happened at the pool of Bethesda with, with the lame man guy who's been lame for 38 years and has probably been at that pool of Bethesda for a good part of that. You know, that, like I said, I called it kind of the hospice care, um, because the people that couldn't be healed any other way, that's where they ended up hoping they could catch the water moving and hop in and be healed. Um, whether that was really happening or not, we don't really know. But but it you would assume it at least happened once for people to think it would. Um, but <laughs> we, but the Pharisees, these Jewish leaders, instead of being amazed at the miracle done, and at the fact that this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, is meeting all of the prophecies for the Messiah. They're, like I said, they're more caught up in the violation of their the rabbinical law they put together. And again, when I say rabbinical law, this is not the law of God. This is not what God gave Moses. This is not the Mosaic law. This is what they've twisted it into. Um, they were doing it before this, but then, it, of course, in the 400 years since the last prophet prior to John the Baptist, that, that 400 years of silence, the rabbis had just so warped. And turned into such a legalistic um, re- practice, kind of, kind of, gotta do all these specific little things, which is not, not what God gave them, and is not what Jesus Christ brings to us. He's not looking for us to be leg- legalistic. He's not looking for us to be antinomian either. Meaning, hey, we'll go ahead and sin because we have grace. No, it's not that either. But, but they had so twisted this. So Jesus is showing his equality. In his person. And so of course we saw in verse 18. Oh, they made that that made them want to kill him even more, because he, he's he's a threat to their power and their position. So then we saw in verses 19 through 21, we saw his equality in his own works as well as in his sovereign power. Um, in his own works, talking about that um making clear that he can do nothing, that the son can do nothing, and making clear that he's the son, but that the son can do nothing from himself unless it is is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in the same manner, meaning that he's taking his guidance from God. And it goes on in verse 20, For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son also gives life to whom he wishes. So again, he's showing him that um, in his judgment that, that he is doing, that, that the only things that he is doing is that which the father has shown him, that his will is the same as the will of the father. Um, I'm sorry, in his works and his sovereign power, that his will, that his works are the works that the father has set him to do, that his works are those that the father is doing. And those are the only ones he will do. And then he shows that sovereign power in verse 21 about giving life. And in this case, he is speaking not only of physical return of life, which which we see in a number of cases, and we spoke of, which you know will come culminate in the resurrection of Lazarus, and then in the resurrection of himself. But also, but you know, also the giving of spiritual life. I mean, that that's what our salvation is. That's the gospel. The giving of spiritual life. We are spiritually dead. You can see that in Ephesians 2, uh, beginning of Ephesians 2. You can see it throughout the New Testament being clear. And actually, you can see it in the Old Testament too. That outside of the grace of God, we are spiritually dead, period. So that leads us into our verses for today. And our verses for today are verses 22 through 24. So I'm going to read them again. So we're focused on these. But, But we wanted to deal with the whole thing as a whole. And, and do a little bit of an update. So let's go from verse 22. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. So let's look at a few things here. God is the judge of all the earth. Um, And I've got a number of verses here. Well, let's run through them real quick. Genesis 18, 25. Far be it from you. So this is Abraham stating to God. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put to death the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do justice? There's even Abraham calling him the judge of all the earth. That's God. God is the judge of all the earth. 1 Samuel 2, 10. Those who contend with Yahweh will be dismayed against them he will thunder in the heavens Yahweh will render justice to the ends of the earth and he will give strength to his king and he will exalt the horn of his anointed so again renders justice to the ends of the earth he is a judge of all the earth first chronicles 16:33 then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before Yahweh for he is coming to judge the earth and then we have of course various psalms 82 psalm 82 verse 8 Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who will inherit all the nations. Uh, Psalm 94, 2. Be lifted up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. Um, Psalm 96:13. Before Yahweh, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Um, Psalm 98, 9. Before Yahweh, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the wow well, yeah okay he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity So almost a repeat and actually I think that's true when you look at them that 96 and 98 are very very similar and we know we saw in John 3 17, 18, that J- Jesus did not initially come to bring judgment he came to save. John three seventeen and 18, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He makes clear that, that in our unbelief, we're already judged. In our unbelief, we are already judged. He doesn't have to judge us. We are already judged. But we do know that in the future, Jesus will be, will be dealing out retribution. Second Thessalonians 1, 7b-8 At the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, executing vengeance on those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Uh, there he is. Acts seventeen thirty through 31 Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now commanding men that everyone everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he determined, having furnished proof to all by raising him from the bed from the dead. That's Jesus. That's God using Jesus and Jesus judging the world. So Jesus is indicating here to the religious community that God is going to give all judgment through him, the son of God, that God is going to judge the world through his son, through Jesus Christ. Jesus can do this because he is of the same mind and the same will as God. He makes that clear. He's made that clear in the verses above that what he does, he does because the father shows him. We see here that Jesus is showing his equality, God his equality to God in his own judgment. That that he's being placed here, that 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 he will be returning here to judge us. Thus he is equal with God. God has set him here in his stead to judge us, meaning God, the perfect one, perfectly trusts Jesus Christ to judge. That makes him equal with God, which of course they're already angry about it, that he's making himself in verse 18, making himself equal with God, that they want to kill him even more. But he continues to lay that out. And like I was, uh, w- what I was going to say before, and I, and I forgot to get back to, but was the fact that Jesus doesn't address, they're mad at him because he's doing stuff on the Sabbath and they don't want him doing on the Sabbath. Doesn't matter that it's an amazing miracle. They don't want him to be doing stuff like that on the Sabbath because that's their day. That that's, this is their authority. This is the rabbinical authority. They don't want to give that up. They don't want anybody to be doing that stuff. So they're mad at him for that. So instead of addressing that, which honestly, the Sabbath is for him, not him for the Sabbath. So he can do what he wants to. And the fact is he's doing what God would, would command us to do on the Sabbath. Could we miraculously heal like that? Were we called to do so by God? Um, which of course we we are not we are his adopted children. Yes, he could give us that power, but that that's not what's necessary now for the advancement of the church. So here's Jesus showing that equality with God. But again, here is Jesus addressing them. He he's not he's not playing their game. He's making very very clear from you know and, and the things he's saying these are things that tie directly in to the Old Testament prophecies. This, this is not Jesus saying, well, guess what? I've been brought here as a judge and I'm going to be gi- giving all, and He's God has given all judgment to me. This is not him making this up. This comes straight out of the Old Testament, right out of the law and the prophets. And then we see him again. The next part of it is he's showing his equality, God, and the honor that is due him. Verse 23 and 24 so that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. So we start this verse with the word so. And in this case, it's acting like a therefore. It is saying that Jesus' equality to God in his person, in his works, in his sovereign power, and in his judgment is so that all will honor Jesus the Son, even as they honor the Father. Jesus goes on to declare that the person who does not honor Jesus the Son does not honor the Father. D.A. Carson states of this claim in his commentary on John, In a theistic universe such a statement belongs to one who is himself to be addressed as God or to stark insanity. The one who utters such things is to be dismissed, excuse me, dismissed with pity or scorn or worshipped as Lord. If with much current scholarship we retreat to seeing in such material less the claims of the Son than the beliefs and witness of the evangelist and his church, the same options confront us. Either John is supremely deluded and must be dismissed as a fool, or his witness is true and Jesus is to be ascribed the honors due God alone. There is no rationale. I'm sorry. There is no rational middle ground. Again, what Carson is stating there is that either we believe that what he is stating is true. That 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 truly within his. Equality to God in his person, in his works, in his sovereign power, and in his judgment, meaning he should be honored as God. Either they are completely true and we should worship him as Lord, or he's a complete lunatic and we shouldn't trust in this guy at all. Now, of course, Carson believes that, 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 you know, he is, he is the son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah, but he's making the statement of, and it directly and and dealing with so many people that want to go, Oh yeah, he was a great moral leader and, and all that. And he was a great guy and he taught good things, but they don't want to accept him as Lord. Well, the fact is either he is the Christ, the Messiah, the true son of God, God incarnate, or he's a nut job. There's no middle ground, and that's what he says. There is no rational middle ground. People trying to wander around in the middle ground—they're nuts. They are truly nuts. They are deluded. They are deluded, as you know. He points out either John the Evangelist was deluded, or his witness was true, and Jesus is to be ascribed the honors. Do God alone. Um, we see Paul speak of honoring the Son per God's command, Philippians two nine through eleven. Therefore God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, meaning the name and honor which is above all he bestowed upon Jesus Christ. Above all. So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And of course, we see Jesus wrap up finally in verse 24 by stating the gospel. Truly, truly. And of course, we remember truly, truly. I'm about to make a a massive statement, and this is the truth of God, and you need to pay attention. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, believes God, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life has passed out of a spiritual death into life they will only face the physical death and then they will be with god that's what he's stating there so over these last couple of these last couple of evenings we've clearly seen jesus declare that he is equal to god in his person in his works in his sovereign power in his judgment and in the honor due him with this declaration jesus draws the battle lines Either you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, as Jesus has declared over these verses, and in true belief you come to a saving faith in Christ and are given eternal life, or you do not believe what Jesus has declared, as the first century Jewish religious established did not, and you face the wrath of God on your own. There is no middle ground. We have to stand on the fact that Jesus is equal to God. And we're talking the Jesus of the Bible. I've hammered that home a few times because it really hit me even this time going back through. We so many times want to try to believe in a Jesus that we create in our own image, that we create in our own mind that fits what we want him to be, not who he is. No, this is speaking of we believe in the Jesus of the Bible, not just that he was, but that he is truly the son of God, that he was God incarnate, that he is the Christ, the Messiah. He is our savior. He is the one that crawled up on that cross and took the punishment for our sins so that we would have everlasting life, so that we would have spiritual life, so that we could stand holy and blameless before God. And we have to stand on that fact that Jesus is equal to God. We cannot treat him like some dorky sidekick. A pastor's wife that Tara and I are friends with on social media had this to say in relation to this this morning. Yes, I've said this before and usually get blowback for it. But we should take Jesus much more seriously than equating our need for him to coffee or a nap. It's not cutesy to demean him in this way she is correct it is unbelief to demean him in this way believe in him as the messiah the son of god is is i'm sorry belief in him as the messiah the son of god is what brings salvation nothing else and your eternal life depends upon it you're going to have eternity but it's either eternity in heaven or eternity in hell there is no other And eternity in hell is not going to be a party. It is going to be awful. Because you will face the wrath you deserve. And it is horrendous. And I love you too much for you to face that. I love you too much to let you go towards that without having brought the gospel to you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close up with our seventh day evening prayer. um, It being Saturday. Um, this It's called Future Blessings. Let's pray. O Lord God, there is no blessing we implore, but thou art able to give, hast promised to give, hast given already to countless multitudes, all unworthy and guilty like ourselves. Make us willing to receive the supply of our need from thy bounty. To this end, convince us of sin. Soften our hard hearts to bewail our folly, ingratitude, pride, unbelief, rebellion, corruption, through the law may we die to the law, then look with wonder, submission, delight to the provision Thou hast made, for the glory of Thy name, in the salvation of sinners. Give us a hope that makes us not ashamed, a love that excites to holy obedience, a joy in Thee that is our strength, a faith in Thy Son who loved us and died for us. May we persevere in duty when not fully conscious of Thee, wait upon Thee and keep Thy way. Be humble and earnest suppliants at thy feet. Live continually as on the brink of eternity. Let us be at thy disposal for the duties and events of life. Submit our preferences to thy wisdom and will. Resign our enjoyments if thou shouldst require it, as our absolute proprietor and best friend. In our unworthiness and provocations, make us grateful for the means of grace and the ordinances of religion, and teach us to profit by them more than we have done. Help us to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day, to enter upon the Sabbath mindful of its solemnities, duties, privileges, setting all things worldly aside while we worship thee. May we know the blessedness of men whose strength is in thee and in whose hearts are the highways to heaven. Amen. All right. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Um, I do hope you are arranging to attend church this weekend. You definitely need to be sitting under the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Um, and God willing, I will see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless.